0: Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes let's go Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I am so blessed to have Lisa Apolinski. She is the founder and CEO of 3Dog Writing, essentially a growth consulting agency and a digital marketing firm, as well as she's a speaker and an author of a new book that we will dive into in a few seconds. So before unpacking all of this, Lisa, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome. Thank you for asking. It's been uh, it's been a crazy year. I'm sure everyone can agree. It's been unreal.
0: Yeah, definitely, <laughs> unimaginable. Definitely challenging, growth inducing, and really depending how you look at it in itself. But there's definitely some great opportunities to grow within this year, and we'll unpack that. But Lisa, I gave a little you know introduction of who you are and what you do. But can you unpack that a bit more? Tell us what you do on a day to day basis and so on.
1: Sure. So, um, like you said, I am the CEO and founder of Three Dog Right, which is a full service digital consulting agency, and we work with clients who want to accelerate revenue and take market share using digital means.
0: That is great. Okay, that's really amazing. And when you're talking about you help clients go to the next level and get like that digital need, how do you support them in itself? Especially that nowadays, you know, we used to be in a information age. And I truly believe we're not an information age anymore. Right now, we're in an attention age. And because there's so much information out there, we're trying to stay out of the masses and really go forward with getting people's attention through podcasts, through SEOs, through so on and so forth. So what are some of the strategies that you give to your clients, to your community, to really stand out as a predominant person within the marketplace?
1: Absolutely. So what you're describing is content shock. Right, There's so much content out there, and we're bombarded with things every single day. So what I've recently written on, and um, the book actually was ranked as one of the top 16 books in the world to read for content marketing. So if you have a wow. chance, pick it up, Persuaded with a Digital Content Story. Title explains what it is. Digital storytelling is where you're able to break through that content noise produce content that has a purpose, so no random acts of content, and not necessarily make more content, but make better content, because not all storytelling and not all content are created equal.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more, and especially the fact that you brought it back to storytelling, which as well that you're a professional speaker, uh, I am as well. and That's what I do as my full-time job, as well as being a coach. And the basis of everything that I've noticed when people retain information and absorb it and able to assimilate it and use it in their lives is when it's presented as a story. Now, Absolutely. how do you present a storytelling methodology when it comes to marketing? Are you talking about the, the words that you use, how you go with the pictures? What would you speak to that?
1: Yeah. It, and it's all of it, Christopher. It's all of it. So if you think back when you were a child or if you have children now, you read them fairy tales, bedtime stories. So people are hardwired for stories. We start understanding the importance of stories and moral of stories and gaining information out of a story at a very young age. And we continue to enjoy storytelling with TV shows and movies. Those are all stories that we're learning about. Um when you look at your marketing, whether it's your website content, your podcasts, even your, your socials, your, um, your tweets, and your Facebook posts, and your visuals, everything should be telling a brand story about why your products and services can help your audience do X, Y, or Z. They want to go from where they are now. To someplace else, which is why they're looking for assistance. If they could do it by themselves, they wouldn't be looking. And by providing those stories and thinking about how you can share them in a story formula, and my book actually has a six-step digital content story formula that helps you to very succinctly hit all the necessary points you need for the story to be able to persuade your audience to take the next step, whatever that is. It could be booking an appointment, purchasing a product, um, scheduling a phone call, whatever your next step is. And the reason why stories are so powerful and so impactful is you're showing your audience a different reality of where they are now and how someone else got from where they are to where they want to be. And if they can relate to your story and see themselves in your story, that's going to absolutely resonate with them and stick in their brain. And that's what we want, right? We're talking about cutting through content noise. And a lot of it is features and benefits, sell, sell, sell. When you move to storytelling, you're actually looking at how your products get them to the next point. So you're taking it to the next step. You're actually helping your audience See, if I use this, I will get to here. That's fantastic. How do I sign up?
0: That makes perfect sense. That makes really perfect sense. And thank you for sharing that. And as well, let me just take a little step back. And first of all, congratulate you on your book because you previously mentioned that it's you know, top ranked and something that definitely people should pick up. And yeah, that, so that I was just about going to say, let, let's, unpack it, let's unpack it a bit more on, on, on your book. Like why are people resonating with it? Is it because you have those six bullet points? If so, what are those bullet points? Why is it so different towards the other marketing books out there in
1: itself? So I think it's different for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't look at theoretical practice; I look at real-world examples and how you can do something today. Um, and I'm not saying that theory should be poo-pooed upon, but what can you practice right today to impact your content, your online content, and drive more engagement, more lead generation, and ultimately, ultimately, more revenue. Right? That's mm-hmm. what we're looking for. We We don't have time to waste. Nobody has time to waste. Everyone's moving at a million miles a minute. And the second thing I love about my book is because it's very succinct, I don't have a lot of fluff information in there. It's very hands-on. It's very tangible. It gives you a formula, helps you apply it, shows you the great um, eight stories. And you know, Hollywood, we're stealing from Hollywood, right? There are eight stories that they tell. It falls into one of eight categories, and that's it it's very easy to start to look at your client's successes and start to categorize them and say, how could I talk about this from the vantage point of an underdog or the vantage point of a mystery or the vantage point of um, a quest? Um, so we're always looking at how we can really drive those stories and have different stories so that you know we're changing up a little bit and it's enjoyable for our readers. That's the other thing we're looking for, right? We want to Share content, but we also want to teach them something, and you know, you can sneak that in in the end. 100%.
0: That's exactly what I believe with storytelling, right? I could easily give you the medicine, which would be the the lesson, or I could take that medicine and stick it in a nice little cheese and be like, hey, take this cheese, which is a storytelling. And once they eat it, they're like, wow, this is amazing. At the same time, they're getting the medicine, which is 100% my ideology with storytelling. So thank you for sharing that. And once again, congratulations for all of your success with your book. And Lisa, now, now that obviously you have your expertise in marketing and so on and so forth, How did you get to that point? What was your journey to get to starting your uh, business, the three dog riding and the whole agency? Because I'm sure there was a backstory within this. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So the year was 2013 and the place was Milan, Italy. I had started my company in 2012 and I had been working on it on a part-time basis while I was still running a full-time job because I had a lot of vendors who remembered how I was able to help with content and strategy and and, um, all those great things in marketing. And I was sitting in my hotel room in Milan, and I was so frustrated because I had just worked another 12-hour day. I had gotten beat up by my boss and my colleagues on something very, very minor, and my hands were tied for doing it. And I was so frustrated. So I called my sister, my poor sister, and I'm sitting in a hotel room in a Milan and I'm just complaining and I'm going, rah, 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 you know, no one listens to me. Rah, rah, rah. And she let me go on for a couple minutes. And then she said, you know, how's it going with your with your side work? How's it going with uh, Three Dog writing and, and that stuff and, and those clients? And immediately my tone changed and I was like, oh my God, it's great. Um, you know, I'm able to impact this and do that. And, you know, we, we implemented this content and they saw these results and she let me talk for a couple of minutes about that. And she asked me a question that literally changed the course of my entire career. One question. And it never crossed my mind. If you get so much passion and success from your part-time gig, how come that isn't your full-time work? And I had never thought of that, if you can imagine. Never thought of having it be my full-time agency. And that conversation and that question shifted my thought process, and the rest is history. And I've been, you know, my company is going to be 10 years uh, next year. And, you know, growing like gangbusters and have never looked back. But it took one conversation and one question to change literally the course of my career.
0: Lisa, I love that so much. Congratulations with that story. And we're talking about storytelling. You just gave a masterclass in storytelling. And you know what? I just want to do this for my audience right now. I want to break apart your storytelling and really highlight some of the nuances that you use, because I think they will be valuable for the listeners over here. And by all means, Lisa, jump in as well, because obviously you know how to speak and be very eloquent with your communication. But when it comes to storytelling, the first thing, what did she do? She talked about it was Italy. It was this time she framed something for us to make us feel like we're already there. So she gave us a framework. First thing in storytelling. Then she talked about how she felt so much more than I was like this. I was like that. She gave us emotions. I was stressed. I had this conversation. I had that, this, that, and the other. Then brought up the sister coming into the phone call. And seeing the emotional change. Now, when she's doing this, she's changing intonation. She's going from inclusive, like, oh my God, it's not going good to afterwards. Oh yeah, my, my side gig is amazing. Opening up her chest, her eyes are opening up, lighting up. This is the switch between our story and then understanding the whole process of this is essentially, like you said, Hollywood, right? The essentially like, you know, the, the, the person in the beginning, the problem, and then, oh my God, the rise to success. So I just want to break that apart because that was just storytelling one-on-one congratulations on explaining it that way. And I love the fact that you brought and you were able to see that sometimes, not only sometimes, most times you need that outside perspective to see something that was in front of you your whole time
1: you need Lisa, the mentor you character you need the mentor character cuz if you could do it on your own you wouldn't need any help and we all need some help and having that mentor character and there's power in the mentor character now in that story i my i was the hero in that story right mm-hmm. i typically tell my clients you're not the hero <laughs> you want your client to look to see themselves as the hero because they're the one they they're the ones that are going to achieve the success So you become the mentor to help them and they become the hero. But in a mess of success story, you know, I am the hero, but even I needed some help. Nobody's perfect.
0: I love that analogy. I love that analogy. It has nothing to do with being perfect. Like, like I said, I am a coach and I coach high-end CEOs, entrepreneurs, and like fortune 500, but I personally have eight coaches and mentors. And mm-hmm. the number one thing that I believe is I know nothing. Just like Socrates says, you know, the only true wisdom is knowing, you know, nothing. If you have that approach, then you're like, all right, cool. What are some of the blind spots that I can't see? Because I'm the actor of my life towards that. somebody's in the director position, looking the play play out could tell you, Hey, Lisa, you're lighting up when you talk about your side. Gig. Have you ever thought of that? You're like, Oh my God, wait a minute. And that beautiful thing happened. Yes. Lisa, I have to highlight this. And I want to ask you, why is your like agent company, sorry, your uh, digital marketing company called Three Dogs Writing? Do you so, love dogs? Does it have to do something yeah. with dogs? What's that story so, like? So
1: um, when I started my company, when I officially started in 2012, blogging was very, very popular. So I knew I wanted something to do with writing within the title. Um, and I actually had three rescue dogs at the time. I had three pugs. And I was kind of playing around with different variations with the word right. And I thought Three Dog Night, the band, Three Dog Right, that's hilarious. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I got something there. And I, you know, I tested it. I asked a few vendors that I knew that were um, in uh, marketing and in branding. And they were like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. You should go with that name. So that's the story to it. Yeah.
0: I, lo- I love the the quirkiness that shows your personality within that story and the name of the brand. And let me just ask you are are your dogs still around or like uh, so how old are those
1: they? those three pugs have since passed but I do have two other rescues. Um and if you go to my YouTube channel at 3dog right um puppy Prue has a bunch of shorts um she gets into all sorts of antics. She also has an Insta account puppy.pru um yeah, so I'm I'm very passionate about, you know, animal rescue and and uh, you know, making sure we take care of our furry loved ones.
0: I I love that. I love that. I'm definitely a, an animal person as well as we have a a boxer in a family that actually is quite old right now, 13 years old, but yeah, I'm uh-huh. definitely So I'm a fan like you that had like those muzzles that are squished, those are the dogs I like. I do not know why so I'm, I'm sure your pugs I'll find them extremely cute.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they are hilarious. And they each had their own personality, which, you know, is pretty funny.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like a fun little thing. And they, you know, play off of each other for sure within that aspect as well. So Lisa, it's really clear that obviously you're a successful person and you've been doing this for a solid minute, which you're marketing from 2012, 2013, wherever that storyline was in Milan. And now you're succeeding very well in everything you're doing with publishing your book. Now, this show is called the Peak Performance Greatness Show, and I totally believe everybody has high level of performance in some way, shape, or form. And my question to you is, what are some of the tricks, the methodologies, the rituals that you use on a daily basis to perform at high levels? Because to run a business that you're running, to write a book, to do the authoring, to do the speaking, international, all that stuff, you have to be able to be high performing as much as possible every single day. So how do you approach it?
1: Um, there are a couple of things that I do by habit to make sure that, and and also by intention, right? It's one thing to live by habit. It's another thing to live by intention. Um, the first thing that I do is I always map out my week on Sunday and every, for every day, what, what I want to accomplish. I give myself at least three things that I know that I, I need to get done. And then I have some extra ones in case I have some time. The reason why I think that's so important is when you're looking at your time, it's limited Mm -hmm. and it's very, very easy in today's environment to waste time, waste time worrying, waste time thinking instead of getting into action. One of the things that I, I am a huge believer in is it's okay to be upset for like a second, but then you need to set it aside and say, what actions can I take right now? What one action can I take right this second that can move me in the direction I want to go? We can wallow forever, but I believe that high performers always move into action and they move into action quickly. By having my week mapped out, and I actually glanced over, I have a whiteboard. I have whiteboards all over my house, by the way. I map out my week and I'm always in action. That's that's number one. And number two, I carve out time during the course of my day to be able to switch gears. And I give myself... Like a 15, 20 minute break. And it could be that I take the dogs for a walk, or I do some meditation, or I do a little bit of yoga, or I make a phone call to a friend or a family member. But I also, but giving myself a little bit of a break so that I can switch gears from one area to the next helps me to let go of what I've done. That's in the past. Let's move on to the next thing and get back into action.
0: I love that and I just want to highlight it just to make sure that the, the audience really got it. First and foremost what you do is you map out like you're calling it which is stating your intention. So Sunday doing it is such a powerful tool to really look at what are the things I need to accomplish this week? What are my meetings? What are upcoming? And then you have your whiteboards and you glance at it so it's all there and it's physically tangible in a sense. Yeah. Then they're there. Then you start checking them out throughout the week, right? Then you go into one thing I really love you mentioned is taking the breaks, the 15 minute in between doing something towards walking a dog, meditating, so on and so forth. And this is very similar to the Pomodoro technique, right? Doing 25 minutes of work for five minutes off. Those little breaks here and there are so important. And I'm going to geek out on like brain science right now, as you guys know that I love this stuff. What happens is because when you're doing something for so long, your brain starts getting used to that work and starts diminishing the resources sent to that activity in hand because he's just getting bored. By you changing something up, he gets re-excited with a new thing coming up, and then you could re-put more resources towards the work in hand. So if you're taking, imagine you're writing your book for an hour, and then you're like, oh, okay, let me stand up, go for a walk, come back. The second time around, you're going to write so much better than if you're just sitting down and trying to push it for two hours. My personal opinion and what science has backed as well, I've just seen it with my anecdotal practice with my clients and so on and so forth. So I love that you have that, and it's so clear. And Lisa, I wanted to ask you, as we're kind of you know, in this conversation of marketing and how important it is, and we talked about certain points that are really important, how to approach marketing with storytelling and so on, and content is king and all that. What are some of the biggest mistakes you commonly see people doing when it comes to marketing? And you're laughing. I'm sure there's going to be some great ones.
1: So there's a couple of big ones that I see. Um, first of all, it's developing content for content's sake. People think if I write one article and post it, five articles are better. Five articles of crap will never equate to one quality article. One of the things that I have my clients do, and they hate this exercise, it's, it's like I'm asking them to eat their vegetables, is they do a content marketing mission statement. So, They actually write what it is they want the content to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that can be so hard for some clients to actually say, what am I hoping to achieve by writing this content? Mm -hmm. And then they have to map out the, you know, from that, who are, who the audience is? How often am I going to post? What platforms am I going to use? How am I going to measure? And then when someone comes up with some great idea, and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. Instead of saying no, they say, well, let's look at our content marketing mission statement. Is this in alignment with our mission statement? Nah, it's not. So we can't do it, but thank you. And it gives them a way to always stay in the same lane. Because if if you don't have a document like that, you can be all over the place. I mean, you could be crossing lanes, going into oncoming traffic, bad things happen. Um, The second thing that I've noticed that clients do is they think I've done a bunch of content and now I can just check that off and move on to something else. Marketing is like a climb with no summit. I'll say that again. Marketing is like a climb with no summit. Wherever you are in your content development, marketing strategy, digital engagement, you still have 100% to go. You have to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Once you stop, you lose that momentum. But if you're strategic and you're using your content marketing mission statement effectively, you can get to a pace that's sustainable. It doesn't have to be an article every single day. It could be an article once a week or once every two weeks, or once a month, whatever works for your audience, where they like your content, they consume it, and they're eagerly waiting for the next one. That's what we're going for. Um, And the last thing that I've noticed that clients make the mistake of, and this is so hard, especially for you know, sales and marketing are really two sides of the same coin. And we have a lot of conversations together. Whenever I work with clients, I always bring sales in with marketing because they really have to work with each other mm-hmm. to have an effective team. Mm-hmm. When I tell the sales guys that I don't want them to sell, they're they look at me like my head has just exploded. They they're like, wait, I'm sorry, what did you just say? Yeah, I want you to not sell. I want you to solve. It's a very different conversation. When you sell, you're pushing yourself as the hero. I can come in and I can take care of everything. And here's what I'm going to sell to fix your problems. No. What I want you to do is ask them, what are you struggling with? What's worked well? Where do you feel there are areas that you're missing? Where do you want to end up? And then when they share that information, then you can say, can I share with you a story of someone else in a very similar situation who went from where you are now to where you want to go? They're going to say yes because they'd like to know that there is actually light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train. They want to know that there is a path to success and that's how you help them solve their problems. You get into that mentor role. And you help guide them. You give them the tools and they become the hero and they become successful. And that means that every time they have a problem, who do you think they're going to call? They're going to call you because you are the one who can help them succeed.
0: Wow. Guys, I hope you're going to re-listen to that little clip right there because there was a lot of golden nuggets. So Lisa definitely brought it with everything she mentioned over there. And a couple of things I want to unpack and really have a conversation on We're just going to take a few seconds here. So everything you said, I am 100% spot on. I love the last part that you said about like, hey, don't sell, solve. So you're there more to support them, to guide them. I love the ideology to understand how to uh, approach of like that when you said uh, marketing is a hill without a summit, a mountain without a summit. It's only something you have to continue. It kind of got me because I'm like, yo, I have like a full-on marketing team and all that stuff. And essentially it's something you should have to always continue and be present. You're like, there's no end, end game. you just being present. So that, that was interesting. And one thing you mentioned in the beginning, and I wanted to have your, your uh, a bit more unpack it and your ideology behind it. You did say that the quality is more important than the quantity in a sense, Now, there is another belief, which in a sense, I believe as well, I'm highly driven on the quality of it. You don't put out something that's not quality driven, but at the same time, I do understand that quantity will get you quality over time. So I cannot sit down and be like, hey, let me try to make this content perfect. Let me try to make this podcast perfect right off the first launch. Let me try to do my first ever YouTube video perfect. It's not, it's impossible. I can only get better throughout doing it and practicing and repeating it. My goal is try to get better 1% every single time. And if you, like I said, just using the example of the podcast or using the example of my YouTube video, my first ever video, when you look at it, I cringe, which is two years ago the videos that I'm putting out today, I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. And if I look at it in one year in the future, look at the video that I did today, I'm probably going to cringe some more. And if I don't cringe, that means I'm not growing. Right. So what did you mean by that aspect? Are you in agreement to what I'm saying? Is there a bit more to unpack? What's your idea? I'm
1: absolutely in agreement. And I would actually turn it just slightly. It's just a slightly different viewpoint. If when you first started, I told you, you need to make a thousand podcasts. Overwhelming. That would be absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. If someone has the thought I have to post one article a day, I have to write a hundred pieces of content. I have to publish, you know, I have to write 30,000 pages. I mean, whatever the number is that's at the end goal, that sounds awful. I don't know about you, but that would stop me in my tracks. If I said, I want you to focus on getting one podcast out. I want you to focus on getting that first podcast out and, you know, Don't, like you said, don't worry about it being perfect. Think about what your audience needs and how you can help them, how you can get information across. And we could always improve as we go, but I want you to just do the first one. That's way easier. And then when you get that one done, I go, okay, how did that feel? You got your article out. How did that feel? Awesome. Do you think you'd be able to do that once a month? Yeah, I think I could do that once a month. Okay, let's start there. And like you said, every time you put a piece of content out into the digital universe, it stays there. Yeah. It's beautiful. But people think that once I've done several, I can walk away and everyone's looking for the next new piece of content. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you, you know, I have a lot of um, channels that I subscribe to on YouTube. And, you know, honestly... I rarely go back and look at their other content unless they say, Hey, if you, you know, are looking for this motivation or this, um, you know, and I've included in my description and then I might look at it, but sometimes I just wait for the next thing to come, come along. And I know they have a ton of content and I've just never really backed up to look at it. And I think a lot of us are like that. Honestly, I'm just lazy. I don't want to sit there and like scroll through the rest of their stuff. I want to see what the next one is. The next one is. Um, but you have to start with one thing. And if you start with one thing, you work on the quality and then you do the next one thing. It, it's really like the 5% rule. If you've ever heard of that. And it's something I absolutely agree with whatever you're doing, whatever you're committed to go 5% more. It's just a little bit more, right? A little bit more in quality, a little bit more in the number that you put out but instead of focusing on i must do one post a week i must do one podcast a week whatever it is just focus on i want to make this next one as good as i can make it yeah. i want to make this next qu- piece of content as good as i can make it and staying in alignment with my content marketing mission statement if you get too caught up in the number of pieces of content that you're putting out You'll start to focus on just plug it and chug it, instead of each one really being your masterpiece for that moment and putting it out. So that's what I mean by that. Um, a lot of companies will say, well, we need to do you know, a, a post uh, a, every single day. And my question is, why? What's telling you that you have to do that? Has your audience told you that? Because the I algorithm. don't know anybody. Yeah. I don't know anybody who is like I must read something from your post every single day. Is that even attainable? Are you putting pressure on people to perform and to do something? And again, when you make these arbitrary decisions and make you know, I'm I think we should do this and you don't really use data or algorithms or anything to kind of help you, your quality diminishes and if you're going to choose, and sometimes you have to, right? Fast, cheap, or good, and you can only pick two, I would rather you make it good and possibly cheap and not worry about being fast. I would rather, if you're going to pick quality over quantity, and sometimes you have to, I'd rather you pick quality and build that repertoire. And I'd rather have 10 amazing pieces of content than 100 pieces of content that are meh and really didn't get any engagement. And that's the other thing. Think about that. If your podcast never got traction and you're pumping these out and you're not really getting a lot of comments, they're not getting a lot of traffic to them. It really kind of takes the wind out of your sails, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at what is of quality and you're starting to get some feedback, it really pushes you to create more because you're like, hey, I'm actually doing something worthwhile here. That's great and then you can see more more content coming out that again is of quality. So that's what I mean by that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do content and you shouldn't have a schedule, but don't put pressure on yourself that I must do 100 pieces by the end of the year. I mean that's I'm sorry but that might not be attainable. And again, yeah. you might just be making something up in your mind that you think is based in reality when it's just really based in your own thoughts.
0: I love the way you just broke that down. Thank you for that, because definitely clarified. It challenged my beliefs in certain things that you kind of brought up in the front. This is why I always ask. I'm always interested to learn, to get Mm -hmm. challenged from my understanding of certain things, because that's just how we sharpen the saw. And essentially what you spoke about in, in big lines is the minimal viable effort. So don't necessarily try to do like, oh, my God, I have to do 100 one step at a time. And it makes perfect sense. As you were saying this, I was thinking about my company in itself right now per week we put out eight to 10 original content. And if you tell me a year ago, hey, Chris, this is what you're gonna do every single week. I'm like, "Uh, no, shoot me, shoot me. It's impossible, but it takes time to get there. Now I have, obviously, I do one YouTube video a week. Then I have my content writer, take it breaking down in a blog, put it in a newsletter. We do a short form video of it. And then we have our our interview series. We have the podcast, but we have a whole team that's doing it. If not, it's physically impossible. Somebody do it by himself. But one thing you mentioned, which was very interesting and kind of made me think on the aspect of, Look at the algorithms, look at what you're responding with, what you're getting, what's the engagement towards that and reassess with that. Because some of the things it takes time and you have to kind of, and you could kind of speak to this. Like for me, it took me a while to get to the numbers that I got in YouTube and it's still some videos flop and some videos pop. And I'm like, it's, it's still somewhat of a mystery, even though sometimes I put out content and I'm like, this is the best. And I'm like, oh, and then it's kind of weird in that sense. So I really appreciate the way that you kind of broke it down. Yeah,
1: Please and sometimes some different- it has nothing to do with your content. Sometimes something happened in the world and just no one, you know, people were too distracted. But if you shared it again like two weeks later, then you'd yes. have all sorts of, I mean, it's just, it's so, you know. Yes. But it's because you're, you're dealing with people and people are strange.
0: Best <laughs> <laughs> way to put it you're dealing yeah. with people, people are strange. That's yeah. it. That's all. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's, that's, I love that. That's the end of the podcast. People are strange.
0: That's yeah. it. Exactly. I'll just close right now. <laughs> but before doing that, wait, I, I would do a disservice to you and my audience. What is the best way to reach you to really have these great conversation with you and your team if somebody wants to really go to that next level with the marketing and so on? So what would you speak to that?
1: Sure. Um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is to email me. It's Lisa, L-I-S-A, at 3dogright.com. That's the number three, dog, D-O-G write, like write like a pen, W-R-I-T-E.com, or they can visit my website at 3dogwrite.com. Easiest way to get a hold of me is to send me an email because I will, I answer that literally, I mean, until I go to bed at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, which is kind of bad. But, you know, I'm always happy to have a conversation, especially if someone's like, hey, I'm struggling with, I love having those kinds of conversations and helping people really get clarity.
0: Awesome, Lisa. And everything you just mentioned, will be in the show notes so people will have access to that. And it definitely shows that you are passionate about this and you like you know, having these types of conversations. So I am going to invite the audience if anybody has any questions about this, definitely contact Lisa. So once again, Lisa, thank you very much for blessing us with your time, your energy, your vibrance within this podcast. Definitely a, a, a fun conversation that we had.
1: Thank so you. thank you very thank much you. and have
0: a blessed day.
1: You too. Thank you so much.
0: Christopher Denian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag peakperformancegreatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions we regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You wanna know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.